0: Well, thanks to our music team and using their gifts to help us worship the Lord through song and prepare our hearts for God's Word this morning. Um, I, I don't know. I guess I've been here for two of since we moved here, two of the uh, parent-child dedications, and like that's like a unanimous vote. Brian, take care of that for all the elders. So I don't. Yeah, I love doing it. I love doing it. It's a lot of fun to see the children up here. And so, if you're visiting with us, uh, we are glad you're here. My name is Brian McKenzie. I have the privilege to serve as one of the elders here um, at the Potter's House. And a couple times a month, about a couple times a month, I get a chance to help us look together at God's word. What a privilege that is for me. And I'm I'm, I'm thankful for a church that values God's word. And we believe that God uses His word to change lives. Right. And that's why we. Stand up here and do the, what, what Paul called and what people were calling in his day, the foolishness of preaching. Foolishness. Stand up and talk about God and look at this book that has God's words in it and talk about it. And he uh, um, didn't notice that my buddy Jason over here, J- stand up, Jason, all right, he's got this shirt that says, bring the book, all right, uh, and you can still order one, or they got the orders here too, but you can still order one. Bring the book, and it's got the Pirates House logo on the back, and that comes from a message I preached to... Oh, a few months ago, and uh, people grabbed hold of that, and it, it's what Nehemiah said. They said, bring the book in Nehemiah's day. Bring the book. We want to hear from God. That's what it means. We want to hear from God. And I hope you came with, that, with the idea of wanting to hear from God today. Um, I also want, don't, want to make sure I say Happy Father's Day to all you all as well. It's a privilege to be a father. Um, John and I uh, have uh, been the privilege of father uh, really seven children. We, we lost one in, in the womb. Uh, Six of them made it out of the womb, so I've I've had had the privilege to be a father. And I got a chance to talk to my father on the phone today, who I love very much and thankful for a great father and uh, example to me. Another great example of a father to me is here visiting again with us. He was here a few months ago. Tim Johnson sitting down here next to my family behind Jason. And Tim is my, my big boss, all right. And Tim's actually getting ready to retire at the end of August, which is hard to believe. He's 70 years old. He has more energy than every 20-year-old I know. He's just going to move into something else, I'm sure, and be right there behind and cheering on and encouraging. So it's always great to have Tim. And Tim is a great example of a father to me because I, I watch him father some little people. And uh, and his kids are all grown up and gone. He's a grandfather now. And Tim, it's always good to have you here, brother. Uh, Tim and his family have had a house here on the lake for a long time, and he likes to come down here and get away. And we're glad you're here, brother. All right, well, with that said, this morning we're going to bring the book, all right? We're going to continue our study in uh, 2 Timothy. Uh, we're going through both letters here of the last couple years of Timothy. We're in 2 Timothy, and, and the title of the, the series is called Be Strong in Grace. And uh, this morning, this is part 55 uh, in these two books, and we'll be examining uh, 2 Timothy 2, 20 through 22 in a message entitled An Honorable Vessel. Help me, what's the last part of that? Part 1. So you know what's coming next week. All right, an honorable vessel part two. All right. So, but before we look at those verses, we'll do a little review from last week. Uh, last week Jay covered 2 Timothy, if you were here, chapter 2, verses 16 through 19. And, and he set the passage up by taking us to, if you remember, 2 Thessalonians, uh, a, a a letter that Paul wrote to the, the church church at Thessalonica. That's why it's called Thessalonians, if you're not familiar with the Bible. And 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 he and he told Jay. Told how Paul was writing this church to, writing the church at Thessalonica in the second letter, partly because some false teachers were teaching that Jesus had already returned, and that He had taken the church with Him to be forever. Uh, some people call that the rapture. That's actually a Latin word to be caught up, um, uh, and uh, so that, that got, Jesus had already come back and taken His people. And, and these people were sitting around. Well, what are we still doing here? We thought we were part of Jesus's people. Right, and in chapter 4 of 2nd of, of Thessalonians, Paul wrote to encourage them to encourage each other that Jesus had not come back, that what they were hearing was false. Uh, Jay also let us know that between 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, someone pretending to be Paul, all right, wrote a letter to the church at Thessalonica to discourage the people by saying that Jesus had already come back and he had already taken his people. So that's what happened between 1st Thessalonians. In 2 Thessalonians, someone else sent a letter, and we know that because if you look at 2 Thessalonians, Paul says, hey, see what big letters I write with. This is is my signature. I'm writing this. He's encouraging that what you had before was not true, and what you're hearing is not true. Jesus has not returned yet. He has not come back for his people. Now, now think about this. If if that had been the case, they were going to miss out. If the people believed this false letter, they would have thought that what they had believed in the first place was wrong. Uh, how discouraging would that be? It's, it's likely that Hymenaeus or Philetus wrote this false letter. And we don't know for sure, but it's very likely. Uh, we think this because the false teaching that had been presented in the false letter to the Thessalonians had crept into the church of Ephesus where Timothy was serving, uh, Jay then pointed out in verses 16 and 17 of our passage last week how Paul encouraged Timothy to avoid false teachers like this and, and the false gospel, who, whose message would spread like gangrene. What a, what a picture, gangrene, and, and destroy people. And then Paul went on to actually name the false teachers and their false message. Look, at, they're with me again. Well, I thought I had that up there, but I guess not. I'm going to just um, read it to you here. Uh, but listen to what he says. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are, listen to the names, Hymenaeus and Philetus. We, we, we met Hymenaeus in First Timothy as well. Okay? Men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and they upset the faith of some. So it sounds like what Paul was dealing with in, in the church of Thessalonica uh, had now crept in the church of Ephesus. Because he names them and he says this is what they're teaching. They're teaching that, that the resurrection has already taken place. And it was upsetting the faith of some people. And, and this is why we think that one of those two men probably wrote that false letter. Uh, this false teaching was leading people astray, leading people to either question the gospel or even reject the gospel, not the, the one true gospel, the good news that Paul had received from Jesus. It wasn't Paul's gospel. It wasn't someone else's gospel. It was the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ which he received. And some people began to question this. And Jay pointed out that this would obviously cause concern for Timothy and those who were in, Timi- who were in Ephesus where Timothy had faithfully served. They were concerned. Hold on. And, and that teaching had be- and, and Paul's calling the guys out, hey, Hymenaeus and Phileus, what they're teaching is wrong. That's not the true gospel. Well, what happens to those who begin to question the true gospel or, or think there's no, it's no longer true? And Paul answered that in verse 19. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, even with all that, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain for wickedness. Notice that the fact that the Lord knows those who are his. The Lord knows those who have truly believed, those who have been born again, in spite of the current confusion or doubts. This is actually a quote from Numbers 16.5. All right, this, this, the Lord knows those who are his. So what's the background of that? Just a little bit, if, if you haven't read that, if you have, you'll, you'll Korah and, and Dothan and 250 others rebelled against Moses' leadership. And in, the, in this account, God know, knew who were his in spite of the confusion, the rebellion that was going on. They were all mixed together. There's a lot of confusion. Paul quotes this to assure Timothy that, the, that despite the success of the false teachers or his opponents, the Lord's true people are safe. Knowing that the Lord knows those who are his should bring us comfort too. So lots of questions. You can see people become confused about the gospel because they're listening to to things that aren't the gospel. And you begin to wonder, hey, what's going on there? Well, well, the Lord knows those who are his. Doesn't bring comfort? He knows, and I'm glad he knows. And Jay also pointed out in verse 19 that those who have been given eternal life and are known by God will also make the choice to abstain from wickedness. Uh, which in the context is speaking about the false teaching uh, and all that comes with that. So God knows who are his. Isn't that good news? Despite all the confusion can be caused by false teaching, he knows who are his. And, and those who are his, who are born again, they'll follow after him. They'll, they'll abstain from wickedness. Well, with that review, it, it helps us get in the right context. Let's look at our, our, our passage of Scripture this morning in 2 Timothy 20, 2, 20 through 22. If you'd stand with me, we're going to read this together. Second Timothy two twenty through twenty two. We read this with me. Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the name. Uh, the Lord, from a pure heart, sorry. Well, let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word, and we do trust that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, you would bring about the change in each of us that needs to happen from your word. Uh, Lord, give us clarity uh, of what your word says and how that impacts our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, Before we look at these... Uh, um, Three verses. Uh, I want to show you what I brought up here this morning. All right. Now, some of you probably thought I had something in it, so when it started sliding, you're saying, "Oh boy!" Don't worry. There's nothing in it. Okay. All right. There's nothing in it. All right. All right. I brought up here. Okay. What is this? This is a mug that a friend of mine in Texas. This is before I deserted Tim years ago. I worked for Tim for eight years in Illinois, then I went to Texas for almost 14 years when pastoring a church there. Um, But that December, we had gone up for our last visit. We moved at the end of January 2005, so this was given to me December of 2004. Uh, You can see it says Texas on, and the back of it says, everything's bigger in Texas, and it's a pretty good-sized mug. At that time, it was the biggest mug I had. Um, and James Robert was assured of me that every mug is this mug this size. So we're going to compare when we get home that most mugs are not this size, all right? It's my big mug, and, and I've kind of commandeered it, all right, as, as, as mine. So I, I, I even used it to drink my tea out of this morning, my hot tea. That's what I used this morning, and I rinsed it out, cleaned it out a little bit before I brought it. And I'm sure some of you thought when I said, I used this this morning to drink, some of you all thought I was going to say coffee. Yuck. <laughs> never. And to my knowledge, and sweetie, please do not tell me if it's any different than this, to my knowledge, coffee has never touched this mug. Don't tell me any different because it, really, it will ruin everything. If it, I may have to do some damage to my mug here, all right? And if it has, then, then, then I'm going to make sure that I'm going to purge this thing, all right, of that yucky black stuff that's going to mix in with my tea, all right? I just said don't do that, all right? <laughs> this mug is reserved for only the finest, all right? It's, it's deserved for tea or sometimes milk that I d- dip my cookies in, all right? You can feel me there, okay? That's what this mug is reserved for, the, the finest liquids in the world, hot tea and milk for cookies and not that other black stuff that most people overpay to drink, all right with all the la das and lattes and all that kind of stuff, all right? And I tell you this about my special mug, because in our passage of Scripture this morning, Paul is going to talk about mugs, or he's going to talk about vessels, things that hold stuff in our homes, especially liquid. Paul is encouraging Timothy and the followers of Jesus at Ephesus and us to be vessels that are used for honorable things, like tea, not coffee. All right, I know Jay's really going to have fun with this when he gets back, but he's, he's got all those special machines in his office in there that make you know the das and all that kind of stuff with the coffee, but, hey, it's. it's, it's but, but Paul's going to encourage us to, to be vessels of honor, used to contain things that are honorable and used for honorable things uh, and God through Paul is, is going to encourage he's going to exhort us to be vessels that are used to contain and carrying the most honorable thing of all, and that is the one. True gospel. The gospel that's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Let me say that again. There's only one true gospel, good news. That's what the word gospel means. There's only one true gospel, and that gospel is by grace alone. It's a gift. We don't earn it. It's by faith alone. We trust in what Jesus has done for us in Christ alone, not in Christ plus something, right? Because Christ plus something equals nothing. It equals death, but Christ plus nothing equals everything christ alone for the glory of god alone because if it's done that way only god gets the glory it's not what we do it's what he's done remember that it's a spelling christianity is all about spelling it's the difference between d-o and d-o-n-e everybody else says it's what you do to make yourself right with god christianity right from the beginning in genesis is all about what he has done d-o-n-e Isn't that good news? That's the one true gospel. And we want to be vessels, as Paul's going to exhort Timothy and us and the church of Ephesus to be vessels like that who contain and carry that message to the world. Because any other message is not good news. Is it? Is it good news that it's Jesus and if I do enough, then maybe I'll make it. Is that good news? How much you got to do? We've talked about this before. There's 613 um, laws in the, in the, the Mosaic Covenant. 613 we can't even name the top 10 and we can't keep the top 10 so if it's jesus plus us doing something to earn our salvation we're all in trouble that's not good news to me at all that's not what the bible teaches and it's not good news well so we're going to examine and as we examine 2nd timothy 2 20 through 22 this morning we'll be challenged by three exhortations to be honorable an honorable vessel so here they are. I know we got some note takers out there. This, again, help, I do this because it helps me kind of get my mind around the big picture of the passage. We're first going um, uh, to, the, the three exhortations is to understand the metaphor of vessels, envision the promise of an honorable vessel, and then embrace the cleansing process to be an honorable vessel. So that's what we're going to look at. These are the exhortations. And it's important we understand what these exhortations, and sometimes I, I word them like this as exhortations. Sometimes they're just statements. It's an exhortation because I think Paul is exhorting Timothy and exhorting us to understand, to envision, to embrace. And we can only do that by the grace, the empowering grace of God. This is not pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and just work hard. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the grace that God gives us on a daily basis to understand, to envision, to embrace. It can only be done by the grace of God in and through us. Well, look with me at verse 20. Here of our passage, I'll read it again. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware, earthen well, and some to honor and some in dishonor. So it's in these words we discover our first exhortation to be an honorable vessel. Understand the metaphor of vessels. Paul gives us a metaphor here in verse 20. Uh, and some of you think, like, okay, metaphor. I remember hearing that like in freshman English in high school. What is a metaphor? We don't use that word much anymore. Um, but uh, it's a figure of speech. Right, where you, you use an object to represent something symbolically. So it's not actually that. So let me, what's some examples of metaphors? Life is a highway. Is life really a highway? No, it's not a highway. Now, if you like the movie Cars, Life is a Highway, you remember that song. okay? Life is a highway, that, but, it, but, it, but it's a metaphor. Her eyes were like diamonds. All right? But they're not diamonds, right? That's, it's a metaphor. Or if her, her eyes were diamonds, right? <laughs> Here we go. This will be VBS. And some people coming out of VBS, coming with 150 kids. That place is a zoo, all right? That's a metaphor. It's not, this is not a zoo. But they're going to say, look at the building and say, that place is a zoo. And how about this? Jesus used metaphors all the time. I am the good shepherd. Was Jesus an actual shepherd of physical animal sheep? no. But he was using a metaphor, symbi- something symbolic to represent something real. It's a metaphor. So, so notice now in, 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 this, in verse 20, um, our metaphor here that, that Paul gives, the, the words large house, large house. The context seems to be pointing to this being the visible body of Christ or the Christian community within the, which are fa- false teachers like Timothy was dealing with. So in the visible church, there can be true believers and non-believers. There can be false teachers within the visible church, all right? So in a large house, this is what he's talking about. We look at our context, what he's talking about. This is, this is a, he's, he's, he's helping Timothy in the church of Ephesus to see this, all right? And, and then you notice the word he uses, the word vessels, which I just had an example of a vessel. And, and it's, 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 it could be jars, it could be dishes. Um, specifically, mostly when you use the word vessel, it's, it's usually talking about uh, things that hold liquid. Not always. And notice also that Paul points out that there are different types of vessels. Look, at, look again there in verse 20. There, there's gold and silver vessels, and these are used for honorable things or noble purposes, some translations say, such as a public meal or a banquet. I mean, this is bringing out the fine china. We have a, 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 this, this uh, um, I guess it's called a china cabinet. I was going, what's this thing called? It's a china cabinet because it's a cabinet and it contains china, right? And we have these nice dishes, and every once in a while, those dudes find themselves on the, and man, you know something's getting ready to happen. When those guys make themselves out of that, china I onto your table. I mean, they're a thing for audible use. Now we're going to be in trouble. We get better, every time we have somebody for, for, for lunch or dinner, we better pull those things out, sweetie, because they don't think we're giving them the bad stuff. I'm in trouble now. Uh, I guess I'll be washing them all, too. Okay. And then you have wood. You have wood and earthenware. Some tra- translations say clay. That's earthenware. And these are the other vessels. Uh, they're used for dishonorable things, such as garbage, excrement, and they're often thrown away with their contents. These are the different kinds of vessels. They're made of different things that Paul is in this metaphor he's using. So Paul uses this metaphor to help, us te- help teach something of greater importance. Right, this picture, picture this large house. There's a bunch of vessels in it. Some of them are made out of gold and silver. Some are made out of wood and clay. All right. And, and, so, and, and he says that some of them are used for really good things, things that are honorable. Some, things are, some of them are used for dishonorable things. So he uses this to, to paint this picture of something much greater, which he makes clear in verse 21. So look there in verse 21 with me. Okay, I think I've lost control. There we go. This, this is, remember, I, this happened to me before. I don't need that. All right, here we go. If you got your Bibles, hopefully you do, and you you had them pulled out already, you can look there in in 2 Timothy 2, 21 with me. I'm going to read that again. Therefore, if any... There we go. We're back back in business. Way to go. All right. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself with these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the Master, prepared for every good work. And it's in these words we discover our second exhortation to be honorable vessel. Envision the promise of an honorable vessel. Notice the words, if anyone... If anyone, I love this, if anyone. Who's anyone? Anyone. Timothy? The people of the church of Ephesus? Us? If anyone. Anyone. All right? Paul is teaching here that's applicable for all of us, not just Timothy. Uh, notice the word if there. If. Paul is setting out a condition. If this happens, this will be the result there's a condition he's given if this happens then you can expect that this will happen All right there's a condition here uh, and I actually want to begin by looking at the result before I look at the condition All right humor me here for a second because it's important I think if we set it this way we'll understand it better and it'll help us see the rest of the passage like we need to see it so I want us to look at the second half of verse 21 he will be here's the, here's the, here's the result he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. This is the promise made by Paul if the condition is met. Notice the words that he will be. Well, what 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 tense is that in? Is that past, he will be? No? Present? Future. He will be. He will be. This is something that will happen. It will happen after the condition is met. It's therefore something down the road to look forward to. And how long down the road? It will come to fruition depends on you and me. When, is the, when the condition is met, and, and I'm telling you, this condition can be met daily, and it should be met daily, maybe moment by moment. But when that condition is met, this is when it's going to happen. It's going to happen after the condition. It's in the future. Well, Paul is exhorting Timothy and the church of Ephesus and us to envision the promise of an honorable vessel, to, to, to look down the road. What does an honorable vessel look like? Envision that. What does it look like? And he wants us to see what it looks like, an honorable vessel. So we're going to long to be an honorable vessel. That's what he's doing here. To look down, to envision what does it look like. So if we meet the condition given, what will happen? What will will it look like? Paul says we will be a vessel for honor. A vessel for honor. An honorable vessel. And I I assume that everyone in here wants to be an honorable vessel, right? Right? We want to be the fine china. We want to be the, the vessels made of gold and silver that are used for things that honor the Lord and, and are blessing to others. A, a vessel, a person, a life that is used for honorable purposes that glorify God by holding fast to His gospel and taking it to others. And, and what is true of an honorable vessel? I, I love Paul, and it, I, I, because the Lord knew. That, that he needed to in, in, inspire, breathe out through Paul these words because he knew I would be reading it, and I would need it as simple as possible. I, that's why I love Paul. He just knew that old linebackers would be reading him. All right, He just lays it out. So what's it look like to be an honorable vessel? He gives us three statements. He tells us exactly what's an honorable vessel. The first word, look at verse 21, sanctified. To be sanctified means to be holy. It's, 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 it comes from the same root as the word holy. It means to be set apart. In the Old Testament, the word holy comes from a, a word means to cut, to separate, okay? And, and in a sense, you could say when, when we see in Isaiah 6, it says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's the only attribute of God that's mentioned three times. It's like under what line bold. This word here means to cut. He's separate. He's other. He's a cut above. And he says that those who are in Christ, we're all that we're a cut above. We're set apart to be different, to be holy. When we first come to faith in Jesus, we're, we're sanctified, we're made holy, we're set apart for honorable purposes. I, I, love, I love this passage in Hebrews 10.10. 10. Look what it says. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. Speaking to believers, all right, notice that phrase, we have been sanctified, this is in the perfect tense. We've talked about this before. And, and, and I, I tell you this um, not to say, well, he really knows his tenses. It's important to know because of what this teaches. We have been sanctified. This, this is really good translation of, of, of the word we have been. We know that's past, right? We can see that in English. But it's actually in a perfect tense, which means this it's a past action, it's a completed action with a resulting state of being. All right? It happened in the past. It's complete. There's nothing else to be done, and it will go on forever. It'll never change. Hear that? So, if you're in Christ this morning, you have been sanctified. You will always be sanctified. You are holy because you're in Christ. You are set apart because you're in Christ. That will never change. Right? That's, 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 we have been sanctified. All right? Happens at the point of conversion. And remains true forever. However, there's another aspect of sanctification, and this is usually what mo- most people think of when they think of the word sanctified all right, or holy. Uh, and, and so there's another aspect of this in the follower of Jesus, and we see this. I love this. Just four verses after this one in the same passage in Hebrews 10:14, For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Notice that, who are sanctified. Sanctified. Now you have to know, know this. This is in the new American standard which I, I teach out of, and I, I don't think it's the only one. Please know that. I just know it because I've been using it for so long. Some of you have the NIV, some of you have the ESV, some of you have the King James, New King James. I don't know what else you have, it might be in the new living translation. Um, but this says, those who are sanctified. Now, this is actually in the present tense. All right? Perfect tense is past action, complete action, result of same being. It stays like this. Present tense is this. It just keeps going on. You just keep doing it, right? Those who are, here you go, Help me help you. I'm going to help you. Look at this. Who are, this is what it says in the NIV, actually, who are being sanctified. Who are being sanctified. So which one is it? It says in, in, ten, in verse 10, it says, we have, been fa- sanctifi- sac- we have been sanctified, past action, completed action, result to state of being. And now four verses later, he's saying we are being sanctified. Come on, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews. Come on, give us, wh- which one is it? It's both. It's both. Because this is talking about what we call progressive sanctification. When we were, placed our faith in Jesus, when he opened our heart to the gospel, made us sons and daughters of him, we were sanctified. We were made holy. We were set apart. That will never change. But he's talking about here in verse 14, and this all over the New Testament, these, this, this teaching is a progressive sanctification. He's talking about now our attitudes and actions. They are being sanctified to line up with who he has made us in Christ. You see that? We have been sanctified, and we are being sanctified in our attitude and actions. And I love it's right here in one chapter in, in Hebrews. And I believe in context here, all right, that in 2 Timothy, our context is talking about this second aspect, this progressive sanctification, the ongoing process of setting us apart, making us holy in our, in our attitudes and actions, in our, in our behavior, all right? Uh, when we meet the condition Paul lays out, which we haven't got to yet, we will be sanctified. We'll be set apart to be used now in the carrying out of the gospel message, All right? He'll, he'll sanctify us. He'll begin to change the way that we think, the way that we act, the, the, what we do. And, and because of that, we'll be a clean vessel to be used by him. Well, not only are we promised to be sanctified, but notice how else Paul describes an honorable vessel. It says we, what, useful to the master. I love this picture, picture, to be useful to the master. Uh, you, you all know my um, background. A lot of you know my background and played a lot of football in, in my day and, and, and we, say this in FCA, we say this in FCA as a whole all the time and I don't know who's pinned it. I'm gonna, tell, I'm gonna say Tim came up with this, all right? When you hear this, coach says, as an athlete, coach says, what's coach say? I want, in, in our world today, even more, there's not much respect for authority today, is there? Police officers, our government, other people in authority. But when coach says something, what did coach say? And I, I've always been like that. I mean, I'd respect my coach, and when coach said something, I was ready to roll. And I wanted to please, I want to be useful. Hey, put me in, coach. I want to be useful. What do I need to be useful? And that's this picture. We want to be useful. He says, useful to the master. Hey, listen to this. We wholly belong to him. He's our master, we're his servant. We're his, In our context today, we don't like to use the word, we're his slave. It's in here, old man, that doesn't sound good. But hey, listen to this, what it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. You do not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have, from, you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. We have been bought. He owns us. And you know what? I'm so thankful He owns me. I'm so thankful I am His servant. He is the most benevolent master ever. He's perfect. He gives good gifts to his children, doesn't he? He knows how to discipline us for our good. Who doesn't want a master like that? Who doesn't want a father like that, right? That's why he's called a father. When we be useful for the master, be useful for his purposes, and this will, again, happen, will be useful to the master when the condition Paul lays out here in a second is met. Well, not only are we promised to be sanctified and useful to the master, but notice the third thing Paul describes when referring to an honorable vessel. Prepared for every good work. This is the practical outworking of the gospel in our lives. Good works. It's what flows from those who have been born again, who have embraced the good news that Jesus died for us. It's what comes out of us. I just just, don't want to get off on a tangent here, but we're living in a world right now that everything's called gospel. And most of the things that are called gospel are fruit of the gospel, not the gospel. How we treat our neighbor, that's fruit of the gospel. That's not the gospel. Don't get that confused. How how, how we respond to authority, which should be good. We should be honor and respect authority. That's the fruit of the gospel. That's not the gospel. And some people are making all these peripheral things these fruits of the gospel the gospel but here though he's prepared for every good work it's the fruit of the gospel and paul points out, points this out many occasions such as ephesians 2 8 through 10 for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of god not as a result of works so that no one may boast so we've been made right with god we've been saved by god's grace through faith not by it says not by works but listen to what it says in verse 10 for we are his workmanship some translations say his masterpiece i love that created in Christ Jesus, listen, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're not saved by good works. We're saved for good works. He rescues us to manifest the gospel in our life. And that's what Paul's talking, prepared for every good work. So, so we, we see here that when we meet the conditions, all right, that Paul lays out here to be an honorable vessel, that we're going to be sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now, who, who wants to be in on that? I know I do. I'm, I'm in on that. I, I want to be that. I want to be an honorable vessel. I want to be useful. I want to be sanctified. I want to be prepared for every good work that God has for me to take his good news to this world. Well, Paul wants us to envision the promise of an honorable vessel. You see that vision? It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? He paints. And that's, that's what I want to be. He's kind of pulling us in, all right? So what is the condition he lays out in order for that to happen? For us to be an honorable vessel. Look what he says there. Back in our verse, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, that's the condition, he will be an honorable vessel. Well, notice that phrase. First of all, the word cleanse, it means actually, means to purge, to clean thoroughly. Thoroughly. This is going to have to get some bleach in it. Now, I know that. I've been informed, all right? Thoroughly cleaned. Purge it. Uh, um, Notice these things. What are these things? Cleanse from these things. Uh, It's obviously talking about things that are dishonorable, and in the context, talking about false teaching, and being influenced by false teachers and unrighteousness. Or as we saw there at the end of verse 19, to abstain from wickedness. So he says to be cleansed of these things. False teachers are influenced and, abst- and, and be cleansed of any wickedness. So how do we do this? How do we cleanse ourselves from these things? We, you, you should be asking that question. I hope you are. Because we, we got to do that before we get to be honorable vessels. So, so how do we do that? Again... He just knew it was going to be me reading this. He just lays it out and tells us, verses 22 through 26, he tells us how we cleanse ourselves. Isn't that awesome? I'm the only guy excited about that. That's okay. All right. Hey, look at verse 22. All right, look at verse 22 as he begins this. Now, he's connecting this now. Some of your translations do not say this, and I do not know why, because there's actually a connecting word in the Greek here, now. He's connecting this together. Now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who are called on the Lord from a pure heart. And it's in these words we begin to see the third exhortation uh, to be an honorable vessel. Embrace the cleansing process to be an honorable vessel. That's what he exhorts us to do, to embrace the cleansing process. In verses 22 to 26, Paul gives us the cleansing process to be an honorable vessel. We're just going to begin, because you only got verse 22 up here, we're just going to begin looking at this process this week, and next week we're going to continue it. That's why it's going to be part two, an honorable vessel part two, all right? We'll see the rest of them next week. Um, I, I didn't want to leave you completely hanging, okay? Uh, man, you've given me this great picture, man. I want to, I want to be a, an honorable vessel, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. And then you say, i got to cleanse myself of these things, how do I do that? And then we just, okay, amen, let's go. I didn't want to do that. I'm going to give you a little bit so we can get started on this, okay? Everybody with me? Get started on this process. So look with me at at this word there in uh, verse 22, the word flee. It means to avoid, to to run away from. I I still remember my my rookie year with the Atlanta Falcons. I only played 15 weeks. I was there a really short time um, in the summer and before I got injured. And And in college, I could, a lot of times, I wish Jason's back there working with the kids, but Jason's a big, big old guy, if you know Jason, and Jason was a lot bigger than he is now when he played, but in college, I could maybe, a guy look like that, I could bull rush him, and I was only 6'2", my heaviest ever, 240, I played mostly at 230, and I could bull, and bull rush means you just kind of run through his chest, knock him on his back. Well, I tried that my first day uh, in the NFL against a guy who was about 6'7", Jason's only about 6'5", who weighed about 340, that did not work out very well. So I needed to avoid the guy. I had learned more moves to get around this cat or I'm going to be in trouble. And and what Paul says here, the first thing we need to do to to cleanse ourselves is to flee. Sometimes it's actually run away. All right? Run away, to flee. What are we to flee? It says youthful lust, youthful desires, youthful passions. And this word passions or desires is used generally in reference to just wrong desires in the New Testament. Not always, but most of the time. Uh, and if you look at the context, though, and we're going to see this next week, if you look at the context, most times we use for lust. So he's talking about like sexual lust. Well, it could be, but I'm not sure if that's the case when you look at the context. He's talking about pride and getting in word wars and arguments with people, and being a jerk. We'll see this next week. When you're young, and I, I guess I can definitely say this for guys when you're young, man, your chest is out like this, and man, you know everything. Right, you've probably seen the bumper stickers. Hire a teenager. Hire a teenage boy while he still knows everything, right? And you're young, and you think you know everything, and you're just going to give everything you got. I still remember years and years ago when I was living in Springfield, Illinois. John all knows what I'm going to tell her here. My pastor he was a little bit older than me at the time. This guy comes on Wednesday night Bible study, and we're talking. He's he's in for like um, furlough for, from the military, and he comes and he asks a question, just a real like, simple question. And then I give him everything I know on that question. And then Jeff gives him everything he knows on that question. We go for about an hour. Then this guy asks a question that my three-year-old son could have a- answered in about a minute. We were just throwing it out there. And I think here, that this youthful lust is a lot more about pride and wanting to win and be right. Timothy, watch out. Now, Timothy was in the mid-30s at the time, and, and I, I, I can, I'm almost 55, so maybe I'm not youthful anymore. I don't know. All right, but... But here he's just saying, watch out for that. Flee those things, all right? Now look what he says to do. We flee those things, those youthful lusts, And all of our lusts can be different. Our, our wrong passions can be different. Whatever they are, we need to flee those things. Flee those things that would take us away from the gospel and, and, and lovingly sharing the gospel and living the gospel, okay? Now look with me at the next word, pursue. I, I love this picture. Follow zealously. Tim, never lose your zeal. Right? It's one of Tim's favorite verse. Never lose your zeal. This is pursue, follow zealously. What's that look like? Well, I'll give you another illustration. When I was at Rookie with Atlanta Falcons, um, they, we watched film. They film everything, so you can't get away with anything. You can say, Man, I had a great practice. Well, you better not say that because you're going to get ready to well, go watch the film from practice. And they, uh, this is the, sky, this is the, 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 the saying the, the, the eye in the sky never lies. All right? Never lies because it's what's watching you. And so I get in there and I first and I thought I had a pretty good practice, and I, I wasn't gonna say that though I knew better. I go in there and and, and, and the and the coach kind of winds the film back. All right guys, there watch McKenzie on this play, and all the older guys in there too. Watch McKenzie. What's he doing? And one of the other guy goes, he's doing the pro glide, coach, the pro glide. What's the pro glide? Well, in, in, in football, if the play's away, you're supposed to pursue to the ball with all you got in case they don't tackle him. Well, I was running, and I looked good. I mean, I had my form was good. I mean, I was going, all right? And I looked good, but I wasn't zealously pursuing. I was just running, and they called me out. I'd never had that happen. I mean, in college, if I just kind of ran, he, he's getting his pursuit angle. He's doing what he's, he's check, He He's he he good on that play. Well, no, not anymore. Because at, at that level, you better be zealously pursuing, with all your heart, giving everything you had to get there. No more pro-glide. And that's what that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, hey, just pursue. Hey, but get everything you got. Pursue these things. Flee these things. Pursue these things. Well, what are we to pursue? What are we to follow zealously? Just, just take a couple more minutes here. First, we're to pursue as you, pr- pursue as you see righteousness. It, it means right conduct according to the will of God and, and the things that are pleasing to him, which flows out of a heart that's been made righteous, that's been made right with God through faith of Jesus Christ to pursue the things that are right, all right? Secondly, we're to pursue faith. and In the context, it means faithfulness, continually trusting God on a daily basis, faithful to our calling as followers of Jesus who protect and spread the gospel. Pursue that. Pursue being faithful to what God has called us to with our lives and with our lips. Everything we do, everything we say, faithful. God calls us to be faithful. The results are up to him, aren't they? That's what a faithful person is, is just do what God's called us to do. Thirdly, it says we're to pursue love. We love the word love, don't we? Love. And, and I, this came to mind, and, and I, I'm sure that Paul's writing to Church of Ephesus and Timothy, this probably came to your mind because they would heard this many times, and you have too. What it says in Matthew 22, 36 through 40, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? This is I'm asking Jesus, all right? Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second is like it, or this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God, love people. My oldest son, Joshua, is 25 years old, lives in Dallas, his senior year of college, um, uh, senior day, they have them all come out on the field, and uh, he played football as well, Um, and He's out there, and and they're going to announce things. But the week prior to that, they had to fill out these papers. What was your major, um, and what are you going to do after you graduate? So he put his major um, uh, general studies, and his roommate hated that. General studies, he found out right before his senior year. He actually needed, they messed up. He needed 44 hours to actually get a major in sports ministry, what he thought he was majoring in. He finds out as he reports for his senior year. There's no way to get 44 hours in. If you're playing football, especially, if you had, uh, 44 hours would be hard in two semesters anyway for anybody. And so he calls me. I don't know what to do, and this whole long story. And then if somebody said, hey, you know what? You can just be a general studies major, and you don't need 24 hours. He said, sign me up for that, all right? General studies major. So he was a general studies major. And then what do you want to do? Love God and love people. So we're standing out there on, this field, on the field with him, John O. and I are. And they come over and ask, this is Joshua McKenzie, running back, blah, 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 blah. Um, said some nice things about it. And Joshua majored in general studies. And when he graduates, he wants to love God and love people. See, Joshua wants to pursue, pursue these things. And my prayer is we want to pursue these things. We want to pursue love. Pursue love zealously. Fourth, we're to pursue peace. It means harmony. Where Paul writes to the Church of Rome in Romans 14, 19, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. What leads to peace? Some people just want to stir up trouble. Sometimes there's trouble and you can't avoid it. Some people just want to stir it up. We have to do everything that leads to peace, to, to zealously pursue peace. And then look at the, that last phrase there. With those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, pursue these things with others who have had their hearts made pure by faith in Jesus and who are embracing the cleansing process to be an honorable vessel. With, I love that word, with. and Essentially, this word pure comes from the same root word as cleanses in verse 21. Pursue those who are pursuing to be cleansed so they can be an honorable investor. Do it with those people. Pursue these things. The Christian walk was never meant to be done in isolation. It's meant to be done in community, isn't it? There's no lone rangers in Christianity. Even the lone ranger had Tonto. It's it's together. It's together. We pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with with those who are called, or who call on the Lord Jesus from pure heart. And that's exactly opposite of what the false teachers were doing. Well, so what? That's always a question we don't ask. So what? What big difference does all this make? What difference does it make to understand the, the, the metaphor of vessels and envision the promise of an honorable vessel, and then embrace the cleansing process? Uh, to be an honorable vessel. What difference does it make? First of all, remember, we carry these out by the empowering grace of God. It's not we work harder at it, we trust God more, and then he'll empower us to work. We just go at it, we trust he's doing it through us. That's what we do. And, And let me say this on Father's Day. Guys, on Father's Day, if you're a father in here, if you're a potential father in here, if you're a dude in here, all right, just listen. We need to be leading when it comes to be honorable vessels. We're called to lead when it comes to being an honorable vessel. It may be hard this morning, but here's the great news. all right? To run and work the law demands, but gives us neither feet nor hands. A different news the gospel brings, it bids us fly and it gives us wings. He's calling us to be vessels, all of us, not just followers, but all of us. To be vessels, be honorable vessels. To get involved in the cleansing process and sometimes that's hard, sometimes it hurts as it burns off of us. Sometimes it hurts as it's being scrubbed a little bit. And we pursue these things we're called to pursue. But it's worth it. It's worth it, isn't it? And He gives us the power. He gives us. He bids us fly, and He gives us wings. He gives us the power to do that. That's good news. And that has to start with you being first rightly related with God. And how does that happen? I never want to take this for granted that everybody knows that. What is the gospel? What is that good news? Here's the good news. Well, actually, this, this sets up the good news. Here's, here's the beginning of setting up the good news. God created us in his image to, lo- to love us, to be, walk in fellowship with us, to have a great relationship with us. And the very first man and woman just said they had a better, decided they had a better idea. And we all do the same thing. They said, you know, God, no thanks. I got a better idea. And they walked away. They disobeyed God. They didn't pursue righteousness. They pursued what they were thought was right by, as they were tempted by the enemy. And they walked away, and that separated them from God. It's called sin. God called them to glorify Him, and they glorified themselves. And that separated from God. That's a problem. And we're all like that. We're all born like that, actually. Separated from God. And we prove it by our actions and our thoughts and our attitudes. And it separates from God. But here's, here's, why, here's the good news the gospel. But God sent his own son, Jesus, to die in our place, to pay the penalty we deserve for our sin, which is death, to pay that penalty for us. He rose again three days later to conquer sin and death, to bridge that gap back to God. Isn't that good news? We don't have to try to bridge that gap because we can't. As good news as it's called, and Paul calls it the glorious gospel of our blessed God. I love that. He can't even get all the adjectives out. How awesome that gospel is. And, the, and, and God's word says this if we would turn from trusting in ourselves to making much of ourselves, glorifying ourselves, and turn and trust in what Jesus did on our behalf, He will forgive us. He'll make us right with Him. We'll be His son and daughter, and we'll be an honorable vessel, useful for the Master. And that's what I want to be. And I hope that's what you want to be. It begins there. And if you're already there, then jump into this cleansing process and watch what God uses you for. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much again for your word, the clarity of it. Lord, this is not one of those passages we have to scratch our head and say, man, wonder what that meant. We get it. And Lord, we're so thankful that you make it clear. Thankful, Lord, that you give us the privilege to be honorable vessels that can be useful in your service we trust you to make us those honorable vessels. we want to jump into this cleansing process. We want to flee the wrong things and pursue the right things and allow you to use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we close, we're going to have a couple couples up here. If you want to talk to me about baptism or have other questions, please utilize that. We need somebody to pray for them. Um, If you stand with me, I, I I want to pray this over you. This will be our benediction, our blessing. And I want you to listen real close to what this passage says because there's a word in here that I'm going to emphasize that I emphasize in our time together. This is found in Ephesians uh, 3, 14 through 19. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom on every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being ground, rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend, listen real closely, with all the saints, not by yourself, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth, and then know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Amen. Be blessed.